extend our hands towards Him. Amen. Father, we just thank You for Your Son. Lord, we thank You, God. Lord, that You would place the words, Lord, in His mouth, Lord, Amen. by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we open our hearts to the gift of God here in this place tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, coming down here to Boston from Burlington, Vermont area, where I currently live. Uh, my current occupation is a farmer slash salad and sandwich maker slash singer in a house of prayer and a intercessor. And all of those things are very different and very awesome. I'm enjoying just a season up there and small little prayer community that's been established. A couple of my friends came down with me, Brianna and Eric. Raise your hands real quick. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just wanted to come down for the weekend and be with you guys. And um, Bethany asked me if I would just share. So that's what I'm going to do. If you want to open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. It's the passage that the Lord just laid on my heart uh, this morning, kind of as I was waking up. I woke up just with various scriptures running through my, my mind and my heart, my spirit, and this is where I landed. And um, Before we even jump in there, I just want to say I love what's going on in this house, the, the presence of God that's being cried out for, and, and uh, just, I, I don't know if you guys realize what you have here. Yeah. The, the presence of God is just thick in this place, yeah. and that's come because of the cry of your heart and because of what's been cultivated here and I, I just want to exhort you don't trade that for anything don't trade that raw cry for the presence of God for for anything for real like when, when I stepped into this place last night and just from the first strum of the guitar and the whatever Will does over here this is so awesome I don't even know what it is um, I just felt his presence and his nearness and just how precious that is. Uh, I just want to exhort you, keep going after that. Amen. Keep going after that in, in simplicity and, and purity, pursuing the presence of God. So, Hebrews chapter 1, I just want to share um, just a few things that the Lord's given me kind of from this passage and, and from my heart. And even during worship, I just felt like I was feasting on the presence of God and the goodness of God, and I, I just want to continue that. I want to feast on the goodness of God and, and what He's declared in His Word, and so I just want to pray just, just again, because ultimately it's not even my words, but it's it's the Word of God that we feast on and we, we see God in, and we our hearts are moved to, to worship and to, um, to live for Him. So, Lord... We ask you that um, you would come to us as your word is opened. We ask you that you would prepare a feast for us. Lord, even in the presence of our enemies, Lord, the enemy of being over-familiar with your word, Lord, that just the enemies of distraction and, and just even all that probably some of us are under Lord, students in this room just thinking about finals, Lord, we ask you for just a refreshing from your presence, from your heart, from your word today. We ask you 
Lord, that you would tenderize our hearts to love you and, and to see you rightly. We, we pray that prayer that Paul prayed. Ephesians 1, we pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Lord, we express our cry before you. We want to know you, God. We want to know you for who you really are. So we ask you to help us. In Jesus' name, amen. I feel like the Lord wants to remind us today just who He is as God and how He feels about us. And um, Hebrews 1 jumps right into that question of God, who, who are you? And, and how do you feel about us as, as human beings, um, as your creation? I'm just going to read the first few verses here. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as, has, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than, me, than they. That right there is a rich passage in the Word of God. I mean, I, I just was meditating upon it kind of throughout the day today, and just different parts were just striking my heart in a fresh way. First of all, God spoke. I mean, that alone is enough to fill our hearts with awe and with wonder that the God that we serve is not distant, He's not passive, He is not disconnected from the affairs of men, that from the beginning of time, the one who created the universe, the supreme ruler of the heavens and the earth, the one with no beginning and no end, the omnipotent one, God, I mean, I just, it's like, it's enough to just like stop and just be like, okay, God, just the word God, I mean, the, the greatness, I mean, the fact that we cannot even comprehend him, he creates the heavens and the earth, he creates human beings in his image, Psalm 8 says he crowns us with glory and honor, we're the prized possession of all of his creation, he sets his love on us. And it would seem to me that it would make sense in some ways that he would just do all of that and as God would just kind of step back and as even some have proposed that he would be almost like the clockmaker who makes the intricacy of the clock and then steps back and just lets the, the, talk, the, the, the clock just tick and, and work. But here in this passage we see that God is not the clockmaker God. He's not the one who yeah. formed us yeah. and who formed the universe and all of its intricacy and then just kind of took a step back and said, well, I'm just going to see what happens. Yeah. Right at the beginning of the story, we yeah. see God, <laughs> creator of the universe, who makes man in his image. What's the first thing that, that really happens is that man chooses to break fellowship and relationship and actually disobey God. And we see that in that moment, when man turns his back on God, 
the Lord is not silent. Mm -hmm. In many times and in many ways, in various times, in various ways, yeah. God spoke. Yeah. He broke into time and space and he said words yeah. and he revealed himself. The only things that we know about God are that which he reveals. The only way we can even know God is based... He says, Adam, where are you? From the beginning, we see a God who's, whose heart is passionate mm -hmm. about mankind, about being in relationship with them, about them worshiping Him in everything they do, whether it's the cultivation of the garden. I mean, just in everyday life, no, there was no distinction between sacred and secular. Man's purpose was to be with God and to worship Him. God spoke. various times and in various ways. I just, in looking at this passage, I just, I just felt reminded of the broad story of God, and I, I just kind of want to go through it. It's the gospel. I want, I want my heart to be refreshed with, with the good news yeah. of, of who God is and yeah. what He has done for us. And this passage builds in just like a culminating way, but you know, we move on from Genesis and, and God speaking to man, and, and we could stay in passages all throughout the Old Testament, just examining this, this phrase, God spoke, examining the yeah. self-revelation of God coming to man, revealing himself. I mean, he, he met with real men that were like you and me. I mean, we think of, of our forefathers, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, these, these mighty men of God and how they, they met with God. And we like put them on some pedestal of like their greatness when really they were just like you and me. And God came and he met with them. He spoke to Moses face to face as a friend. I mean, what in the world? What, who, who is this God that, that we serve? Not distant, not one just to be feared, although he is to be feared. But, but even the fear of the Lord that was experienced throughout the Old Testament was in context to relationship with the people was the holiness of that relationship that, that he had. He actually gave the fear of the Lord to protect the love relationship that he had with yeah. them. He actually gave that mandate of the fear of God to protect the, the love relationship that he had with, with Israel. And he's demonstrating time and time again throughout history that he wants relationship with man, that he's not the clockmaker, that he's not distant, that he's not absent, and, and all these things we nod our head and we go yes to. But just to bring it to some immediate application in our lives, we live a lot of our lives as though God is the clockmaker. Yeah. As though he's just kind of sitting back and even the fact that we do not pay attention and we do not give time and, and energy into looking at what he spoke is, is really comes back to the, the fact that we don't believe he actually speaks, that he actually has spoken to us. And um, so again, just to paint the picture, it's God reaching out towards man. It says in, this, in, in Hebrews 1 that in the various times and various ways he spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. Many times I think we, we see the prophets as... I don't know what we see them as, is these wild men, you know, who had these words from God, and we miss the fact that actually God was reaching out to humanity through men, and he was revealing himself, he was making himself known. Think of 
how many times Israel went astray from the Lord. And what did the Lord do in His mercy? He raised up a prophet. He raised up a man who would communicate the things that were on his heart. Again, we see, we see that God is unwilling to just let man go. He's unwilling to just let him run the course that he would run in, in his own depravity. I mean, Israel, the Lord speaks to them. They turn away from the commandments of the Lord. What does the Lord do? He raises up a prophet. And these prophets are, are more than just mouthpieces, you know, just with some thing they got in quiet time. They're actually expressing the heart of the uncreated God towards humanity. What is the message of the prophets? The, the, the main message of the prophets is, again, calling them time and time again to return to the Lord, to relationship with Him, to that love relationship. You look at Jeremiah, and he's weeping before the people. You know what those tears are? Those tears are a revelation of God. Those tears are God speaking in various ways and in various times. When Jeremiah cried, that, that was, in a small way, the Lord standing before the people and crying and saying, my heart is broken that you've turned from me again. My heart is broken that you've gone astray. Return to me. Return to me. I'm a bridegroom to you. I'm a husband to you. I'm a father to you, Israel. Again, time and time again, the Lord is reaching out. And this was mercy to Israel. This was mercy to humanity that they could know God based on his self-revelation, based on him reaching out time and time again. And um, even in the season that we're in, the church worldwide is celebrating Advent. They're celebrating the coming of the Lord. They're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And even in these weeks leading up to that, um, there's an identification with the, the groaning and the longing for a word from God, for the Lord to come to us. And there came a time in Israel's history where they had a, a, the last prophet for a season of time, and his name was Malachi. And then we see that that's where kind of this, what Hebrews is talking about, the last time that God reached out through the prophets in the various ways, in the various times. And we come to a point of history where God was actually silent in his reaching out towards Israel for 400 years. <coughs> and just to put, put ourselves in that kind of place, that's pretty intense. The nation of Israel, God, they, they've seen the mercy of God throughout the ages. They've seen him reach out to them time and time again in their waywardness. And this comes, this final prophet, Malachi, gives some pretty intense words like all the prophets. And then for 400 years, there's a, there's a silence in the land. And... I imagine the people beginning to question, is God still with us? Does God still love us? Is his promises still, are his promises still true? Where is God? I mean, all throughout Israel, there was a cry for a prophet. There was a cry to hear from God, and yet there was silence in the land. There was no prophetic voice. There was no witness that God was still reaching out towards men. And in that place, there was a, a longing and a, a deep groan, I think, that, that spread throughout the land. And really, that's the season that we're even in, uh, is, is identifying with that same rumbling of, God, where are you? God, do you still speak? And it's at this time in history that Hebrews 1 says this. 
in the past spoke to the fathers by the prophets. There was rays of, of the light of who God was that was communicated. I didn't think of, this is going back a step, I didn't think of the Psalms. The songs that were sang throughout Israel's history were words from God about who He is, His goodness, His yeah. mercy. God was speaking through 150 songs about who He was to, to His people. I mean, all of this, again, just I, I want to just reemphasize this picture of God who is not distant from the affairs of man. He wants to be involved yeah. in, in, in what goes on in humanity. I mean, He's a passionate, jealous God, and He wants to dwell with His people. That's the whole theme of the Old Testament, is God wants to be with His people. He wants their loyalty. He wants their commitment. He wants them to, to live in His goodness and His mercy, all of these things. And again, the season of great darkness in the earth, Israel's longing, mourning. They have no prophet. There's no light. I mean, it is utter darkness. And we see what, what does God do. All, all of heaven could not contain what was about to happen in the earth. Because what, what happened, according to Hebrews 1 right here, is that God said, okay, the time has come where it's not enough for me to just speak to one man and have him speak to the people. It's not enough for me to just raise up another Jeremiah that would communicate my, my burning heart of love for Israel, for mankind. It's not enough that I raise up another prophet and have another voice. He, the, the Father, I mean, this is, this is the gospel. The Father in heaven. It's the eternal conversation with His Son. It's time. It's time that you go to them. It's time that the ultimate prophet, the ultimate priest, mm. the supreme revelation of God would actually come to the people. And Hebrews 1 says this, In these last days, the days that we're living in, God has spoken to us by His Son. This is the gospel, that it wasn't enough for Jesus to send one more messenger. It wasn't enough for Him to send another prophet. He said, I will go myself. Yeah. And he sends the, the, the son. And as John so eloquently paints the picture, in John chapter 1, the word was, was with God. And the word was God. Yeah. He goes on to say, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That God actually said, it's not just enough for me to, to send people to tell them, I want to be with you, but I must go myself. And in the form of a little baby, Jesus breaks in onto the scene and begins to declare the Father. That everything that, that Jesus does, and this is what I want to call us to today, to fix our eyes on Jesus, not just as a, as a good teacher, but as, as the one who is fully God. Hebrews 1 goes on to say that this is who the Son is. That the Father has appointed Him as heir of all things through whom He also made the worlds. That He is actually the creator of the universe. That God is actually come to us in His incarnation. The one who created the universe has now stepped into the very creation. 
I mean, that is mind-boggling to me. The one who rules all of creation and who created all of it has now stepped into it as a, as a human being, as fully man and fully God. A mystery that is just it's hard to comprehend. It's hard to even explain. And I love this. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. New American Standard says the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. See, what the Father did in sending Jesus is he, is he said this, whereas in the past you saw glimpses of me, whereas in the past you saw, you know, this picture of like rays of sunlight, he goes, this is a whole new day. This, this is a whole yeah. new time in history where you're actually seeing the sun in the fullness, in the, in the rays of the sun, I mean, Jesus is, is what the Nicene Creed calls the light of light. He is the light of light. He is God of God. In the flesh, in our midst, walking around with 12, as Daryl said last night, dopes from Jerusalem and Galilee, fishermen, and he's walking around with them. And everything that he does with them, everything that he says to them is an exact representation of the Father. Every question that mankind has ever had about God and every question that we've ever had about this unknown, big, great God we see in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul says it this way, that the light of the knowledge of the glory of God has shone into our hearts. That even as the Lord says that light would shine out of darkness, so he has shown in our hearts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. What Paul is saying in that passage is he's saying that the coming of Christ is as significant to the creation of the world. Paul is exploding in his heart, and he's saying, okay, let me, let me paint this picture to you. One time there was darkness in the earth, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. He goes, What's happened in the coming of Jesus is the same as though there was darkness over the whole earth. There was a veil over the whole earth. Darkness. Yeah. Nothing. He said the same God who spoke light out of darkness, the same God who did this creation and said, let there be light in their light. He said, is the same God who has shown in our hearts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words... Where you could not know God before, where there was a, a, a somewhat of a veil of darkness, although he was reaching out in various times and various ways, he's saying, the veil's gone. You can see God. We in this room today, we can enter into to what David said in Psalm 27, 4 was his life vision. One thing I ask of the Lord, and this shall I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord all of my days. I've sat in the prayer room so many times and said, I want to gaze on your beauty. And I'm like picturing this like flaming throne and you know, sea of glass. And I, I don't have a very good imagination. It's just out there. And I'm just like, this is gazing on beauty. No, you know what gazing on beauty is? It's opening up to the Gospels and seeing the dude who was wearing his Jerusalem cruiser sandals and his robe. And he was walking around with 12 fishermen and tax collectors, and sinners, yeah. and he was sharing his heart with them. And that everything that he did was the Lord crying out to humanity, this is who I am, would you see me? The exact representation of his nature, you guys, God wants to be known, 
And the way that we come to know him is in the light of the face of Jesus Christ, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If you want to know God, we can sit, we can sit in this prayer room all day and say, God, I want to know you. And I love that cry. But if you want to know God, look at Jesus Christ. He is the fullness of revelation that the Father has given. He is God of gods. I mean, again, the mystery that Jesus is fully God, fully man. The exact representation upholding all things by the word of his power. And again, this is the gospel right here. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, and he has a better inheritance obtained by a more excellent name than they. Everything that God did in Jesus Christ is shouting to us who he is. He can be known. And in that knowing of him, we can actually find out how he feels about us. And that's where I just want to go for a few minutes tonight. Because I, I want the revelation, the unveiling of Jesus as God to strike my heart. And to actually change me on the inside. Um, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Even with this scripture in mind. Everybody okay? Absolutely. Uh, Before I read that, you don't have to turn there, but I just want to read the scripture in John. Just emphasizes this truth again. It's John uh, 1 verse 18. I mean, John's, John 1 is really so similar to Hebrews 1. I mean, just speaking of the glory of Jesus and the incarnation, it says, John, John says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Everything that Jesus does declares who God is to humanity, who the Father is. And... With that, Ephesians 2, the, the truth that I just kind of want to draw out, because there's many truths by looking at Jesus' life that we can draw out who God is and how he feels about us. But the main, the main thing that I want to just draw out today is that in, in the coming of Jesus, in the work and in the life of Jesus, I believe the primary thing that we should become convinced of by looking at Jesus as God, as the exact representation of his nature, is the love of God is that in His coming, we, as we see that God came to us, we should be convinced and persuaded in every argument that sets itself up in our lives of why we are not loved by God. I, I just believe He wants to shatter it today, that He wants to shatter the lies that, that we're not loved and that he wants to just make the gospel just fresh to us again. And so I just want to read a few passages. We're going to skip around. But that's, that's my heart's desire is that, number one, we would see God's immense desire to be known. And in that, we would see how he feels about us. That as we see God in the flesh walking amongst us, we would ask the question, what, what do you want to tell us about the Father, Jesus? What is it that you want to convince us of? And I, I believe that... that the answer to that, among many answers, is that you are loved. Amen. 
that you're actually worth me, me coming for, that it actually, that cost, that it, that it cost Jesus and the Father in sending His Son is actually worth it to Him. Yeah. And um, if that strikes our heart, if that touches our heart, it changes everything. If we actually feel the weight of God coming to us and the motivation of His coming being love, we can actually get changed and transformed and become happy, alive people. And I know it's happened to all of us at, at some time, but the gospel is not something we graduate from. The gospel is something that we glory in daily, that we receive again and again. The good news is, is good today as it was the first day that you heard it. Yeah. Ephesians 2. Yeah. I'm just going to read this. I just can say it better than me. <laughs> and you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among who also we all <laughs> once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh fulfilling desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were nature children of wrath, just as the others. I want to remind you today, you were a child of wrath, that you were under the sway of the evil one, the father of lies, the one who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy, that you were actually under the power of his working, according to the word of God. But verse 4 says this, But God, I mean, this is the same but God that broke into Israel, the revelation of Jesus Christ. This, this is when it happened. I mean, when he, when he came to Mary and that angel said that, that you're going to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and you're going to give birth to a son. That was, the, that was the but God. But God has a plan. But God is not done speaking to humanity. Who is rich in mercy. That is really good news. Because <laughs> all of us need a richness of mercy that's yeah. pretty rich. Who is rich in mercy, but I want you to catch yeah. this. But God, who saw us as sinners under the sway of the evil yeah. one, yeah. who is rich in mercy. Now, now, why is he rich in mercy? What does is, what is your next word say in your Bible if you have the New King James? Probably others too. Because. So he's rich in mercy because of what? What, what is your motivation? Jesus, in showing mercy? Father, what is your motivation in sending your Son and displaying mercy for all of humanity, taking our sins? Because of His great love with which He loved us. You see, many of us have touched the legal aspect of the Gospel, but we haven't touched the, the emotions behind the legality of what's happened to us. Yes, I've been purged of my sins, brother. Oh, have you been purged of your sins? Because God loved you so much. That's what I want to say. I, I want to say I've been purged of my sins. And not just now I'm clean. No, I was purged because God loved me. Not because of anything in and good of myself, but because God is good. Because God is who He is, rich in mercy, great in love. And because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses... He didn't wait. I know we all know this, but he didn't wait till you got your diapers changed to start loving you. He loved you as he was picking you up out of, out of your own poop. That was when he loved us. He loved us when we hated him. 
That's when he came to us, when we hated him, when our backs were turned to him. That's what he showed to Israel time and time again, and in the most supreme way he could, he showed it in his son, once and for all. He made us alive. Together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. I want to remind you again, by grace you have been saved. I want to remind myself, I need to look at myself in the mirror and put my hand on my head and say, Jesse, by grace you have been saved. Because of the great love with which he loved you. Get happy. And as Hebrews 1 says that he ascended to the right hand on high, he didn't just ascend by himself. Ephesians 2 gives us, Another glimpse into the picture of Hebrews 1, that he purged our sins and then he raised up to the right hand of the Father on high. Ephesians 2 actually says that he took some of us with him. That he joined, he joined us to himself and he seated us with Christ in heavenly places as the scripture says. Raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And it goes on and on and on and on. It's called the gospel. But again, at the core of it, because of the great love with which he loved us. John 3.16. Go through the New Testament. The, the centrality of the love of God in the New Testament as his motivation for saving sinners should cause us to, to be undone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, Paul encountered that in a way to where he did become undone, and he spent his life laboring for every person on the earth that he came into contact yeah. with to know that, that, yeah. that same great love. Galatians 2, uh, verse 21. You don't have to even turn there. I'm just going to read it. Paul, we all know it. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It's life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Again, we see the revelation of the Father giving his Son. We see Jesus hanging on that cross who gave himself for me. Why did he do it? Yeah, he did it for for the redemption of humanity. We can go all theological and go to all the implications of the cross. I love that. Let's dig into it. But let's not forget why he did it. Who loved me, who gave himself for me and loved me. The motivation of love and the sending of the Son that was in the Father's heart. John 3.16. And the spirit of slumber comes over us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sunday school, Jess. Now it needs to strike my heart again. For God so loved Jesse England that he gave his only begotten son. I want, I want the revelation of, of what Jesus came to do to demonstrate that love. I want it to, to set me free from all of my insecurities. I want it to set me free from me striving to accomplish something when all God is saying, if you, if you love me, according to the first and second commandment, if you're loved by me and out of the overflow of that, love me with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself, I don't care. I don't care what else you do. You are successful. I want that to define me. And here, Romans 5, verse 8, God demonstrates, present tense, today in Cambridge, Massachusetts, God demonstrates, not demonstrated, God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
I love this. The Lord is saying that there's a past event that happened that speaks today, that demonstrates something yeah. presently today. Yeah, come on. Again, in the context of Jesus being God, Him being the Word from the Father to humanity, Him hanging on a cross, and the Lord says about that, that God demonstrates today that He loved us while we were still yet sinners. And He sent Christ to die for us. That that one event in history, and, and that's one thing that Jesus... I mean, that was his ultimate declaration, but we can go all throughout the Gospels and we can look at Jesus and we can see how God interacts with humanity. That's what I, I want to challenge you guys to do. I want to challenge you to just renew your vision that Jesus is God and that when you see him, you've seen the Father and that you don't have to strive to, to know God. It's, it's just simple. Look at the face of Christ. That's what I want to mm -hmm. exhort you to do is look at the face of Christ. Even this Christmas, two weeks from now, spend the next two weeks looking at the face of, of a little baby in a manger. I mean, what does that say about God? Begin to open up the Gospels and look at Jesus and say, Jesus, what are you, what is your exact representation in this moment of the Father? What are you saying about God? What are you declaring to me? When you're at the, with the woman at the well, you're lying in a manger, oh, it's your humility. Jesus, I love, I love your humility. You left all the angels in the glory of heaven to dwell among man. You want relationship with man. You want relationship with me. Turn it into prayer. Go to the Gospels and behold the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Give yourself to the glory of God. Knowing the glory of God. Jesus prayed to the Father. If, if I have confidence about one thing, I'm pretty confident that the Lord answers uh, Bethany Temple's prayers. <laughs> pretty, pretty confident about Lou Engle's prayers. I've seen a few of those answered in my life. Sometimes confident about my own prayer. No. <laughs> but I'm confident that the Father is going to answer the prayer of His Son. If there's one prayer I know He's going to answer. It's going to answer the prayer of His Son. Do you know what Jesus wants? Jesus wants us to be with Him where He is and to behold His glory. I don't even know what that means. All I know is He wants to be seen. That's, that's the point tonight. God wants to be seen. He wants to be known. He wants intimate knowledge of Himself. I mean, He's like, He's putting His heart out there for us. It's like, I want you to know me. Don't you get it? Like, I've been reaching out through all of history. Now I've reached out in a final way in my son. And the testimony of it is here in the scripture. Even go to the book of Revelation 90, you know, whatever, 60 years after Jesus walked the earth. And he shows up to John through, through an angel. And he says, remember me, John? I still want to make myself known to you. The book of Revelation isn't about a bunch of end times events. It is about that. But... Primarily, it's about Jesus saying, remember me, I still want to be known, I still want you to be with me where I am, and I still want you to see my glory, and be changed, and fall in love yeah, with me, and live differently, yeah. and be loved, be the beloved, because I'm the one who loved you, and washed you from your sins in my own blood. Let's let the Lord speak to us in His Son again, that's all I want to say to us, let's let the Lord speak to us again in His Son. Through his son, through, through what he did on the cross primarily, what he demonstrated for us. If you just want to play it.
pad or something, whatever you do, Will. I just want to, let's all stand up together. Thank you for just letting me pour out my heart. I'm preaching to myself today. I, I want to know, I want to know God. I want to know how, how he feels about me and what he wants me to know. That's, that's what it is. He wants us to know this. And I'm just agreeing and saying, I want to know what you already want me to know and what you've made really obvious that you want me to know. <laughs> yeah. Let's just open our hands to the Lord.